Hey everyone, we want to welcome you to the Floater Founder Podcast. This is a Toronto-based podcast featuring local founders across all markets. We are your hosts, Samantha Lloyd and Lyson Casey. We are going to be bringing you interviews with exciting and hardworking founders. They will be sharing their experience creating and leading a company. Thanks for listening. Hi everyone, you're here with Floater Founder. I'm your host, Samantha Lloyd, here with my co-host, Liza and Casey. Hello everyone. And today we have the pleasure of interviewing Joanne Fadaiko, the CEO of Connection Silicon Valley, as well as being the founder of many organizations, including Accelerate, Alberta Innovation Advisory Council, and Canadian Entrepreneurs in Life Sciences. So thank you so much for coming uh, from San Francisco to Toronto, for your visiting, and then for also uh, organizing this with us while you're here. We really appreciate it. I'm so happy to be here with you guys. Um, so first, introduce our audience to what Connection Silicon Valley is. We are an organization that helps to connect Canadian companies into Silicon Valley tech and innovation. So what that means is we help companies um, build a network in Silicon Valley so that they can leverage that for capital, customers, uh, influencers, um, advisors, mentors, etc. cetera, uh, so that they can actually build their business. Awesome. And why did you decide to work specifically with Canadian companies as opposed to like somewhere in the EU or or other countries doing great stuff with startups? Because I am Canadian. (laughs) Uh, Super passionate, obviously, about being Canadian and wanting to support the ecosystem here and seeing, obviously, the amazing talent and opportunities that exist. And then I have the pleasure of living in Silicon Valley with a network. So it just seems like a natural connection to bridge the two. That's great. And how would you say the fundraising um, like ecosystem and scene is in Silicon Valley versus Canada? It is burgeoning. It is incredible in Silicon Valley. Uh, last uh, stat that I heard was a third of the world's capital is deployed from Silicon Valley. And I don't know if that's plus or minus since that stat, but a lot of money flows out of Silicon Valley. Um, the world comes to Silicon Valley in order to pitch their product and company, and uh, there's a lot of money that goes into global businesses that are there. And as you know, um, there's a lot that gets um, put into companies at high valuations, and they're looking for that uh, exit that's going to be 10, 20 times uh, their investment, and there's they're willing to put a lot of money into a lot of companies, some of them. So... Uh, I think it's very different than in than in Canada and other regions because, like I said, um, everybody's coming to Silicon Valley, so it's all in one place. They don't actually really need to go anywhere, although it is nice to see what's happening in places like uh, like Canada um, for them. Uh, and you know, Canada just has a lot less capital to deploy, and you'll you know, and you probably hear it's uh, Canadian investors are a little bit more or need to be a little bit more uh, conservative because they have less capital to deploy. So major difference. How keen are American investors in investing in Canadian companies? Super keen. They love it when I bring them deal flow. They, you know, always say, bring me more. Uh, They want to see it. Obviously, the valuations in Canada are a lot lower. We've got the dollar exchange that really helps uh, for their their investment go a lot farther. So they see great talent that's coming out of here. We've got a great university systems everywhere and strong ecosystems being built in different regions. And so they are very, very eager to um, look at Canadian deal flow. Mm-hmm, definitely. 
Awesome. And then, so can you talk about um, an instance where you brought a startup from Canada, uh, connected them in Silicon Valley, and uh, some kind of success story around that? I have one that just happened this week. So last year, we have a contract with the Alberta government. We're their trade and investment liaison into Silicon Valley. And we hosted uh, an event a couple of days last November where we opened it up to any Alberta company to come down. So sort of a mini immersion speakers and um, a little bit of um, one-on-one mentoring, uh, some feedback from some advisors and investors on their pitches. And we just heard from a company that they, because of that event that they came to, that they wouldn't have otherwise probably been down to Silicon Valley, we knew that they had met somebody that became an advisor to them, and that advisor has been helping to further network them in in the Valley. And I can't mention their name because they're not closed yet, but he did send me a message and say, we are closing our round. We've got a Silicon Valley investor that came because we came to your event and we got this advisor. Now we're introduced to this VC Silicon That's Valley so fund. exciting. Yeah, I love hearing is. that. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, why your specific focus on Alberta and what's happening out in Alberta with the startup scene? So I'm from Alberta, and that's uh, I'm very, you know, wanting to, like excited and wanted to help that ecosystem. So Toronto and Waterloo is obviously incredibly established and the leader in Canada, and Alberta has mm, a few other has had a few other focuses uh, up until recently, where they of course recognize the need and want to diversify. And so there's a lot of things that are happening there. It is a younger uh, tech ecosystem for sure. It needs to have. Um, some inbound and some sort of growth and like um, support there in order for it to kind of build. Um, but I'd say that there's a lot underneath the hood that's there. It just hasn't had like the natural gathering places and for as long as uh, Toronto, Waterloo and some of the other um, regions in Canada have. But there's amazing, obviously, clean tech uh, companies out of there. Food and agriculture is really strong. We've got a really great life science uh, network there. Aerospace is another one. Autonomous vehicles uh, is also like a, a small subsector coming um, out of there, specifically in the Edmonton Airport area. So I bet on it for the long game. It still needs, you know, a, a lot of love and attention. And hopefully the work that we're doing really helps with that. Um, but that's kind of what I see and why I want to help it. That's really exciting. It's nice to see that um, people in Alberta are looking at uh, diversifying what, like, what their ecosystem's all about and doing startups out there. So it's cool. I'm excited to see it grow. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you, you're just saying that sometimes you can look at thousands of different startups. What are some uh, like when you're when you're skimming through them? What are some some things that kind of stick out as you're like, okay, definitely going to look into that one? And what are some some things that stick out to you? Like, okay, definitely avoiding this company. So startups should always put their best foot forward. So anytime that they're pitching or putting who they are in front of somebody, you should always be stating the most um, meaningful uh, traction that they can be that. Customers to date or revenue to date, um, if they've got patents on their product, if they're, you know, what markets that they're in. And so those kind are the signals that people, investors are looking for to say, oh, okay, that's impressive. Um, I will look a little bit further from that. Um, equally, if it's in an emerging tech sector, right? So right now, what are the things that are hot? So obviously, there's a lot in AI. Autonomous is something that's um, really hot. Anything that's sort of like deep tech. So as soon as you have something like that, that's not sort of a me too, another SaaS marketing 
tool, um, you can have a better uh, chance of being looked at. But every investor, most of them have pretty specific sectors and, you know, they're investing in B2B or B2C, early stage, you know, C to, to Series A in, in, in certain sectors. Um, everybody's always looking for what's that next big breakthrough opportunity, though. So they they will always, a lot of them will always look if they're not super specific industry-wise, they'll always say, just show me something super interesting, cool tech. So you just have to put your best foot forward. And it's surprising, like not, not a lot do. First time around, you have to kind of tell them that. <laughs> if you've got revenue, put that. That's very important um, for you to be able to say to it. And um, you have a big focus on female founders. What is your goal for female founders in tech and in the startup scene? Mm, we really want to help support uh, women grow into being more amazing leaders and the like. Uh, take the capability that they have, that we have, uh, and really um, grow grow that to to grow themselves and to grow their business. And so, for me, because I have networks that are in from. Um, early stage to women on boards and to corporates and different regions. The goal for me is to how do I figure out how to cross pollinate? How do I take one from one area? So a good example is uh, a woman that is in oil and gas in Alberta has a ton of experience that she could offer to a clean tech startup. But those two worlds don't necessarily collide on a day to day basis. And so how can we bring those two together? Um, and if we do that and we build bridges between Canada and Silicon Valley, uh, I think that we'll see some really amazing female leaders, way more female leaders, um, that can also help build the next generation of female leaders. So more women at the top is my goal. And um, is Silicon Valley way ahead of Toronto or other uh, tech ecosystems in terms of that? You know, so many of the things, uh, whether you look at women on boards or you look at capital or you look at talent, you've got regions that are going to be ahead and regions that are going to be like same regions are going to be behind in another area. So we just have a massive number of people. So that means there's more capital on one side. That means there's sometimes more problems on the other side because of the huge population and, and more opportunities. So. I don't think that there's, I, I guess from that for that question in particular, I don't know that there's like a competitive advantage or something that, that California's ahead of Toronto or anywhere else in the marketplace with it. I think that what it takes always is you've got to do your research, you've got to do your homework, you've got to like be in the network and be building relationships in order to help yourself, whether that's in Toronto with Toronto only or in a network like Silicon Valley or globally. Uh, if you were starting a startup today, uh, what industry would it be in and kind of what would be your first steps? I would pick the food and agriculture industry because we've got, what is it, 9 billion people on the planet that we have to feed. And we've got this huge movement, which is great, towards healthy living and healthy lifestyle and wellness. So I think that that is a relatively newer like market um, in the last number of years that I've seen a lot more people pay attention to. We've got, you know, the protein and plant-based uh, focus and whatnot in Canada has some great strength in that area. Um, so it's like anything else. Figure out where there's a gap in the market. What do you know? What are you passionate about? Who do you know? Um, can you, like, do you feel like you've got something that can solve that problem? And who do you gather in order to do that? You've got to put so much hustle into it, so much effort. You've got to roll up your sleeves, do so much work. Um, but if you're passionate about something and you know it or you're going to get to know it really quickly, then amass the 
best team of advisors and supporters and co-founders and everything that you need and do everything early on. So I always say you come to the Valley to build a network before you ever need a network because you know, if you all sit in, if you, if, when you want to raise capital, you already want to have that network uh, and you want those investors that have known you for, I don't know, three, six, 12 months, two years that have seen you progress from that kernel of the idea to where you are now and the mile, milestones that you have reached. So I would say, you know, obviously the business that I'm in isn't connecting people. So when, if I was starting a company, I would be focused specifically on what's the network that I'm going to need in a year's time or two years time that I can leverage when I need it so that it is that. That's cool. So so start the network you need in the future today. Absolutely. Cool. And so anybody that's kind of starting out there and you doesn't uh, doesn't really have connections they can reach out to for warm introductions. What's the best way that they, they can go and create those warm introductions? Leverage your network. So who do you know? We've got great tools of LinkedIn, especially, and Facebook and whatnot. There's groups and, like, expat organizations. Uh, There's peers that you know, you went to alumni that you went to school with. So always use whatever network that you have to start with and reach out to them. And then ask other people, too. Hey, I'm needing to go build a network in this space or in this region or at this stage. Who do you know that you could introduce me to? The best thing when you're asking for introductions, though, is to help figure out why they'd be interested in you. Often people do it the wrong way. I really want to meet so-and-so because, boy, they could be a good mentor for me. Or, or you know, I really want to learn from them. And if you look at Silicon Valley, in particular where I know the best, people are getting that question, you know, 10 times a day. And, and so you have to show it what's in it for them. Why would they be interested? So what's interesting about your tech or your idea? Um, what could that do for their company um, or for themselves? Like how could they apply their experience to, to you? So the thing that I would say is always think about why would they want to meet with you? What value could you add to them? That's great. And so I guess then your kind of advice, too, is when someone's reaching out is to kind of get to the point, not to just be wishy-washy and be like, hi, like to pick your brain, be like, what this is what I have and this is what you have. And that's the kind of balance there. Yeah. So, you know, do your research always. You know, in the beginning, you you want to build a wide network, right, because you don't really know who you want to necessarily know. But yet you do have some ideas. So do your best to narrow it down to say um, either you know that person or you know the title or the role or the industry or the stage or something that you can say, this is going to be like somebody that I'm uh, that I really need to learn from and that I really think would connect with my product or my you know solution that I'm offering out there. So I think it comes down to research, and which very few founders do. Um, how would you recommend that someone ask someone to be an advisor for a company or to be an investor in a company? What's the best way to approach those conversations? Two different conversations, I think. So on the advisor side, get really specific about what it is that you need. Where is that gap? And know that your advisor is going to be there to help fill that gap for likely the next year or two. But as you grow and scale, their expertise might not be the same thing that you're going to need. So, you know, what do you need right now in order to get yourself to the next goalposts or milestone um, or a couple of them? And again, then do your research. Uh, Look at them on social media. There's been so many connections and investments that has been done because of initial conversation that happened over Twitter. So, 
you know, be active out there, read their blogs, read their LinkedIn posts, um, you know, anything that they're investing in themselves or their role or anywhere that they're speaking. Uh, if you're really serious about getting an advisor and like, again, do the research, figure out who would be um, a good target and why, again, they'd be interested in you and then start a relationship with them. As And you can do that, again, over Twitter. Um, on the investment side, again, you got to really figure out who's investing at your stage with your industry that doesn't have a competitive investment that would be interested in your product and, and service. And then you can target them. Um, why do you think there's such a huge discrepancy between the valuation of Canadian companies and the ones in America? I think it goes back to that there's just a lot less capital here to deploy. Um, you know, our the valuation, like the, the dollar is, you know, what is it, 35 cents <laughs> uh, on sale, 30, 35 cents there. Uh, you know, Canadian companies are very resourceful. A lot of founders, right, they take a little bit of money and they let it go, make it go like a long, long way, which is really great. So at the end of the day, they're like, look, I don't need that much money or I don't, and therefore it doesn't translate to that big a valuation out there because I only need this much in order to hit my next milestone. Now that's really great on one hand, on the other hand, sometimes it's like if you're not thinking about um, what you can do to be the world leader, like so maybe that funding might get you to that next milestone. But if your competitor is going to take twice or three times the amount and do it two, three, five times faster and then be ahead of you, then it might not be so smart for you to take as less money. So, you know, never take more than you really need. However, take all the money you can when you can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, what what uh, what runway should you have left when you go out there and start looking for investors? There's the coin, you know, always be selling, always be fundraising. So uh, typically you're raising enough money to get you 12 to 18 months. Uh, I would say that right after you close that round, you should still be thinking about that next round. Uh, what are the milestones that you need to reach? What targets do you need to get to? What revenue, customers, et cetera, that you need to get to in order for you to be hitting that next round? And then you're continuing to develop those relationships. Again, just because you've closed, let's say it's that seed round, you're next to Series A. What are you gonna, who are those investors that you should be targeting? Again, to that point of meeting them early on. Uh, what are you showing them throughout that next 12 to 18 months? that they're, you're validating what you say you're going to do, you do, and that they can track you so that, again, when it comes time to, hey, I'm looking for my next investment, they know you and they've seen your successes, they've seen the track record, they've seen maybe you pivot and all those things. So it becomes a much easier conversation for them at that point. But always be fundraising. <laughs> That's awesome. And aside from San Francisco, what are the other kind of like tech hubs that are happening in the U.S.? There is so many because everybody is competing and looking for places where it's cheaper, where the dollar and the, the investment can go farther, where the valuations aren't as crazy. Uh, so, you know, Boulder. And, and it, it kind of depends, too, on some of the sectors, right? So, um, but you've got everything from Seattle and Austin, which might be like more known. Um, Chicago, uh, which you think should be known, but is actually not kind of as big, I think, as, as some think it is. North Carolina, you've got into the um, a lot of food and egg in the, in the middle of, of the U.S. Uh, part. I'd say that there isn't a place really that isn't striving to create some form of uh, their own tech ecosystem. And what they're doing is they're figuring out where their strengths are and then building upon it. So that might be in food and agriculture. It might be in 
life sciences. They might have something in, you know, clean tech side. And so they're really building off of, of that. And that goes globally as well. Like it's not just in the U.S. And do you want to talk a bit about your work with uh, the Canadian Entrepreneurs in Life Sciences and what you're doing with them? Mm-hmm. So we started that a couple of years ago. It's a bunch of expat Canadians. They are all in life sciences, biotech, healthcare. I am the organizer more so, come from that sector. Uh, I'm passionate about that. But uh, we are there to try to connect Canadians, like it's exactly what it says, Canadian entrepreneurs in life sciences with the network in the Valley. We've got JP Morgan that happens in January. So there's a lot of activity that's happening in and around that. So we try to leverage different conferences that are existing where we can tack on and going to be a resource. And then we do some forum events down there with JLabs in the Valley as a partner of ours. And we've done some stuff with JLabs in Canada. Thank you, JLabs. Um, and then we've done a small cohort program. So if this is the second year. We've got a couple of companies into that and we match them with mentors in the Valley. So for 2020, what we're looking to do is just build off of all of those things and create, again, just a bit more awareness about the cells network and the opportunities to connect into it. We'll be doing some immersion programs down there that might be broadly speaking for life sciences, but we might go deep, maybe like therapeutics or medical devices to get a little bit more specific really on that. Cool. Mm-hmm. And are there any um, events um, that you're involved in in 2020 that you recommend that some startups in Canada take a look into? Oh, so many. So subscribe to my newsletter because I send that out every two weeks and I'm already always promoting the Bay Area events that happen as well as Canadian events. So if there's any Canadian things that you guys, somebody wants me to promote, I will happily do that on there. Uh, Upcoming though, um, Launch uh, is doing a Female Founders Academy. And I think that is in the first quarter of next year. Uh, Serendipity Conference happens at the end of September kind of thing. And that's for uh, focused on uh, female leaders. uh, there is just like so many there's the small stuff smaller things like startup grind and that they do but like Nasdaq hosts a bunch of stuff down there the big stuff is really crazy you know the sales forces of the world and the oracles and um, you know we've got the um, the cybersecurity coming up in April like those are just big massive and they're ones that you can you know if you're attending at that's great but you could just kind of bolt on to I mean there's literally as as even happens here in Toronto now, there's just so many conferences and things to to um, to participate in. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like an endless supply. Yeah. When uh, when you're building the founding team for your startup, should it always be people that you know and you've known for a long time, or can you go to conferences and events and meet like-minded people and go into a business venture together? Yeah, you hear success and failure stories from both sides of that. There's lots of founders that are looking for co-founders and go to AngelList or networking, meet their co-founder at an event uh, somewhere. So, you know, but it's like any relationship and it's, you should really try dating before you get married. Uh, And that's when you're early stage founder with an idea and super excited. You just want that co-founder and you're, you're very sometimes too quick to that. So, you know, figure out a way that you guys can ease into it. Um, I don't have any great examples because I, I trust people immediately and I'm the one that like invites people in. So I am not, don't take my advice on that one. But, you know, some relation relationships, they've had great history together and other ones, they barely knew each other. So it all comes down to just that people in the dynamic and God, I wish both sides luck of that when that happens. Yeah, <laughs> that was definitely challenging. 
Um, all right. Well, we're going to ask you just a few um, additional questions about Toronto and San Francisco, our fun, consistent questions, as we call them. Um, so what is one thing that uh, Toronto has that no other city does? Uh, well, it really has a head start is what it has. It's yeah. it's obviously the strongest eco tech ecosystem in Canada. Uh, so that's what I'll say. It has a head start. <laughs> so let's talk about San Francisco. And what's a place that people must uh, go and visit when they visit San Francisco? I always answer that from a tech perspective versus, you know, if you restaurants or things like that, because there's a million of those things. But there's so much that happens in coffee shops and in co-working spaces. And so if you're in tech and going to go to the Valley, I think what you want to do is just kind of hang out and be a local. So I've mentioned some like NASDAQ uh, Entrepreneurial Center has really, really great programming that happens there. Galvanize does. I've hosted events down there. There's so many um, rich places that you can go to and just meet. Like it, it is such an open ecosystem there that when you're coming down, just kind of look for some of those opportunities in order to like have the serendipity and meet some folks. That's great. And um, question for Alberta, because even though we're Canadian, we've never been. Uh, what's a spot you'd recommend there or something that you recommend people do when they go there? It's funny. I was just on a podcast in Alberta, and I don't think I gave a very good answer for that one. Um, the Oilers game, because <laughs> I'm an Oiler fan. Uh, you know, the downtown Edmonton area, because of the Ice District, uh, is, is really uh, starting to build. So I'd say that's kind of Toronto maybe seven or ten years ago. So there's really some great restaurants downtown right there um, and uh, uh, entertainment and sort of like live life, lively sort of things that are happening right around the ice district, it's called. And for someone who wants to do exactly what you do and connect um, startups, maybe wherever they are um, in the world to Silicon Valley or to another big network like that, what can they do? What are the first steps? They can come and job shadow me because I could use some help <laughs> with it. Um, you know, build your network. So I always uh, think that you build it the best networks if you do it authentically. So figuring out where you have an interest, again, what do you have to offer to somebody else? Great way to build networks is to interview people, <laughs> as you know. Uh, but pick pick a space or an industry or something where you want to de dive into a little bit more, and and then become an expert in that in that area. I would say would be a really good start. That's great. Well, thank you so much again for fitting us in this week while you're here. We really really appreciate it. It was so great to get to see you again and get to interview you on the podcast. Thank yeah, it's you. been really fun talking to you and learning about how you help uh, entrepreneurs and investors. Great. Thank awesome. you, guys. Thank you. We wanted to thank you so much for coming in. We had such a great time interviewing you for Floater Founder. And thank you so much to our listeners. We are so excited to share more founder stories with you. Until, Until next time. time.